Are you looking for veteran resources and peer support? Objective Zero has an app for that. Download the Objective Zero app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Access wellness resources like yoga and a free year subscription to Headspace, the world's most popular meditation app. Check out veterans resources and access our nationwide network of peer support. Speak to fellow women veterans or someone in your field and branch of service. You get to choose who you want to chat with. Learn more at www.objectivezero.org. That's www.objectivezero.org. Please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DB Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DB Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. I am the first dick in your ear, Bonerwood, so it's going to be a hard one tonight. Oh, God damn it, buddy. That's just not even fair. This is Barracks Talk. This is inside the nut house, man. We got Sergeant Wardog. Oh, I just broke out of the rubber room, dog. The bacon man himself, oink. You are truly putting the D in the B when it comes to DV radio. Mr. Recall. I prefer to be referred to as belly and down. And don't know where the fuck Google is. I told you it's my computer. It's not me. That's exactly how I feel. We probably had a few too many to drink, you know what I'm saying? Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Can I get a thimbleful of sweet baby rays, please? We don't have it. Saturday's gonna be even more entertaining. Illogical. We still have the DD radio store for those women. Shit's still there. You can buy shit. Buying shit's good, okay? Oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. You fucking got me there already. Love and military barracks talking around the smoke. How's your back feeling after that penis reduction? You're tuned in to WDVR on DVRadio.net. Because this is how it is on DV Radio. That is how it is right on WDVR, DVRadio.net. It's February 10th, 2024. I'm Boner Wood. You listen to his own podcast if it's not live because that, that's how this works. And yeah, you, you, you're an asshole that didn't tune in live and get our numbers up and, and make us popular because you hate us. And it, and it hurts, man. It fucking hurts, all right? Just, just know that fucking hurts, okay? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's going to be a show tonight. We got everybody in here. And the mama from the frozen state of Alaska is the frozen pig man himself. It's Mr. Oink. Dude, I don't know about so much about freezing because we just had a 60-degree temperature swing. We are now sweating our ass off. It's almost 40. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah. All that snow is now melting, and we'll refreeze later tonight. So we get that nice thaw, freeze, thaw, freeze bullshit right now. So you know, this just in, folks. Global warming is a <laughs> thanks, Al Gore. Thanks, Al Gore. <laughs> oh shit! And then back in the lower forty-eight, down in Florida, it's the Marine Crown Eater. Himself, Psych World Gang, Supervisor SEO, Sergeant Wardo. What's up? What's up? Glad to be on the show tonight. Whoop, 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 whoop. Gang, gang. Bye, bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> up in Amish country, it's none other than the man whose balls I love to cup every chance I get. It's Mr. Recoil. Clippity clop, clippity clop, I suppose. Absolutely. Hold those reins. Don't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> that was so gay. <laughs> How gay was it? <laughs> well, I <laughs> winked my butthole. Um, and then 
my neighbor in the backwoods <laughs> who loves to play with wood. It's none other than Mr. Joaquin Watai. It's JJ. Show me your butthole. <laughs> Let me see oh, that brown eye, little boy. Show me your butthole. <laughs> Latex and bending over going, hello. <laughs> It's Timmy. <laughs> you guys remind me of the Chippendale convention in Vegas. I was just there. Oh shit! Oh. <laughs> they tried to sign him, but he wasn't biting. <laughs> they wanted to call him Brown Chocolate. <laughs> Brown Chocolata. And then it's the man in one of the greatest states. Of America, they got a fast track to the death penalty if three or more people witness your crime. It's none other than Mr. Bender. Hey, good evening, DV Radio Nation. That is so fucking loud. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds so good. So I'm, 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 I'm fighting with myself. Do I tell him to turn himself down a tit? <laughs> Because all the ladies' nipples are hard now, and probably most of the men. Or do I tell them to stay there and don't move? And then, says, uh, when I'm done drying uh, my panties, I'm going to ask him to turn that down. <laughs> and then, I'll just, it's been a while. I'll back up off the mic. I got to remember it's not a dick. <laughs> And then, last but not least, we got streaming on all but Instagram and Rumble tonight from MBR Radio out in High Spuck, Colorado. It's Mr. Joel. What's up? What's up? <laughs> all righty, all righty, all righty. Now, we have a few things of business to get out of the way, and then we'll jump right in to what tonight's show is all about and it's going to be all about bender we're going to just we're just going to put him all over the place we're going to let him tell a story we, we're going to joke we're going to make fun of him we're going to make fun of it all we're going to get depressed but we're going to laugh then we might even cry all right so just be prepared um but for those of you that are wanting to get some money off of your dv radio merchandise and whatever else merchandise you want to get from the dv radio store on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2024, at dvradio.net, just click on the DV Radio Store. You can get 22% off your entire order. So buy as much shit as you want, buy as many orders as you want. For 24 hours on February 14th, Valentine's Day, get 22% off right here at dvradio.net. Just click on the DV Radio Store. All proceeds goes either to DV Radio or whomever is... Uh, the owner of that merchandise, whether it's Betsy Ross, Archie Ward Dog, JJ, uh, DV Farm, or Change Unchained, DV Against DV in Your Life Matters merch goes to Change Unchained. And speaking of Change Unchained, do you guys remember we made a little um, bet with Inert Mugs last month that if they could sell, uh, what was it, like $300, $500 at the, by the end of uh, December of those uh, Change Unchained mugs, we would match that and add it with what we owed them. Uh, well, they done that. They kicked that shit and blew it out of the water. I made a jokey jokey. If you don't <laughs> get it, you're a dumbass. Um, but uh, they they met their goal. Uh, they they beat the challenge. And we sent uh, two grand the other day to Change Unchained for their tiny homes and to help the survivors of Change Unchained. 
uh, the people that go through there. So they just put their fourth tiny home in and they're doing the finishing touches on it. So that was much needed and very helpful. Absolutely. So thank all of you listeners uh, that helped uh, inert mugs as well as DD radio to get that money uh, raised and sent over to change unchained. Um, we're going to try to get Troy on very, very soon. He's been busy as fuck. So I try not to bother him. I try not to bother people when they tell me they're busy and then I forget to even hit them up when I'm supposed to hit them up. So yeah. Um, but go check out changeunchained.com If you want to donate directly to them, please do so to help <clears throat> build some more tiny homes for the survivors of sex trafficking, human trafficking and all that good stuff. Not good stuff, but you know what I mean? Um, they're yeah. doing good stuff. They're doing good stuff. That's what I meant. That's why I said, see, dude, it's a night. All right. It's a fucking night. That's all I got to say about that. Um, What else we got? Uh, DVFarm.org. We still need to raise that 25 grand of all the septic system to get it redone. Please help us. Fucking help us. Raise funds at your church or, you know, have a fundraising event and send us a check or, or whatever. Um, we really need to raise those funds because we cannot house veterans until the septic system is redone. I know people keep asking why we ain't got veterans and this, that, and the other. because we can't house them until it's uh, fixed and, and up the code. So uh, please spread the, spread the word on that. You never know who's going to see it in your news feed or just spread it when you're out on the town or whatever. Um, we've got a media kit on dvfarm.org. If it's not working, email me at info at dvradio.net and I'll make sure that you get everything you need. And, uh, yeah, you can also, if you're a gamer, you can go to Streamlabs Charity. We've got an account over there. You can raise funds for us there. 100% goes directly to us through that. Uh, you've got, uh, crypto. If you do crypto, you can use the Adapt Exchange and send us money directly through that. We can offer up it into cash. Um, and then the DV radio store and then donating directly to the DV farm through PayPal or sending a check. So please help us raise the funds for the shit bucket. I called it a shit bucket. I know. I know. Calm down. It's just a joke. But without further ado, uh, Bender, it, it's, it's been a minute, um, to remind everybody who you are. Please tell us who you are, what you done in the military, and uh, we'll go from there, brother. All right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so let's see. My uh, first, uh, where I kind of got started, was back when we still had the uh, the main page. It was kind of main Facebook DV page. I think it was kind of in its prime. Uh, Six was still working on building the farm. Um, and uh it started out uh the page started wanting to uh get some moderators because the page grew kept getting more and more traffic of vets in need and stuff like that so you know putting together this team for the moderators to watch the page kind of help guide these guys these brothers and sisters you know to what resources could help them and uh i got uh got picked up into that and that's where it kind of started at and then uh you know, just enough, uh, once we did a couple conference calls and stuff like that, then it was like, Oh my God, look at that. Listen to that voice. And, uh, so then I started dabbling with DV radio a bit and, uh, you know, had several guest appearances and stuff like that. Um, but then, yeah, those things going on in my life that, you know, I mean, I was with 
I mean, shit, I was active on the page for a few years. Um, probably like 2014, 15-ish, up to what, like maybe 2018, 2019, something like that. It was uh, quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, during that time frame, there was stuff going on in my life. Uh, so my, my military background, kind of where the name Bender comes from, it's not just based solely off of you know a cartoon character <laughs> but um started off uh army ish uh army national guard one of those nasty girls um but i was uh uh one of the full-time guys if that makes up for it or not sometimes it does sometimes it don't but uh so army aviation we're like a step above or maybe just a step below air force i don't know how you want to look at it um <laughs> sorry he's like i don't know i want to say we're a step above but we got an air force guy in here so we might be a step below i'll let you choose <laughs> well let's put it this way i'm not back in big blue fuck that guy <laughs> uh well we like to look at it as like well we still carry guns and we drink more but we're also sleeping in tents with dirt floors and you guys are partying up with electricity and shit <laughs> room service yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like army aviation is always like stationed somewhere near an airfield with the air force guys so we're like the dirty kids on the other side of the track tracks you know <laughs> like an oink over here he's the fucking brick flare fucking other military and then bender over here he's just <laughs> he, he's there <laughs> he's like we're there <laughs> uh but uh yeah no so uh did 11 years total um had to get uh got medically discharged in uh 2013 um basically uh had this fun little blood clot that uh went through my heart and landed in my lung and i had to take this blood thinner and the blood thinner made me non-deployable and at that time, the military was downsizing anyway um, because of the administration at the time and budget cuts to the military. So anyone non-deployable was getting axed regardless of how good you were at your actual job, how long you've been in. Like, didn't matter. No one cared. It was just immediate. And uh, so, I mean, from the time my once it, the determination was made that I was no longer deployable to the time I was out was about seven months like it felt like they pretty well fast-tracked it as quickly as they could um and they were doing that to a lot of people at the time um so for me that kind of like just flipped my whole fucking world upside down you know i'm halfway done with my career i kind of had it planned out like i'm gonna go ahead and make a career of this like right now if that hadn't happened i mean anything would happen but in theory i'd be looking at my retirement a pretty sweet retirement right now mm -hmm. um you know, uh, but, uh, so, you know, then I was kind of scrambling, like it was kind of like almost losing my whole identity. Plus I was fresh off of a deployment. Um, I did, uh, did 15 months in Iraq back in like 06 to 08. Then, uh, did a year in Afghanistan from 2010 to 2011. And, uh, <clears throat> Actually, it was 2011, 2012, um, and that's 
Afghanistan deployment was kind of rough. Um, I don't know uh, how many of y'all are familiar with the uh, Extortion 17 story. Um, the 31 heroes, the helicopter full of Navy SEALs that got shot down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, we had one of our pilots and one of our crew chiefs on that aircraft. Um, and the only reason it was half of a crew is because we were only about nine days in country. So we're still kind of left seat, right seat with the people we we're replacing. Um, so that hit us pretty hard. Um, one thing about that full-time national guard community, you know, I mean, I, I know active duty, everyone makes bonds, especially with technology and Facebook. It's like you, you keep up with your close friends. You don't say ETS to a different location, but, uh, you know, those guard guys, the the ETS thing doesn't really exist. So you've worked 10 years with these guys, you know, you've been to their house, you've gone to birthday parties for their kids. So, uh, you know, it was like just a big kick in the nuts right out of the gate and, uh, kind of set the tone for the rest of the deployment. Um, so there was that to deal with, you know, in process. And then it's like, now I'm dealing with my own shit. Like, and, uh, I'm sure a lot of y'all feel this way. Like, uh, was that one meme? I think it was like a sign of like an injury lawyer. It's like, are you injured? Good. You worthless piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, as soon as like, you're not useful to the military anymore, it's like, that's how they treat you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you're like, Oh, you know, you're a great soldier. You got, you know, you're, Oh, you get, here's your little achievement medals and your archons. You did such a great job. Oh, oh, you can't help me. Yeah, fuck off, man. What have you done for me lately? Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, so now I'm struggling doing that stuff. I'm going back to school. I've got like a mortgage. I've got a family. I was, I started pretty young. I was like one of those e nothings with like a bunch of kids. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was hanging out in the smoke pit. Uh, but. uh so, you know, I got like a mortgage and family I'm going back to school, trying to keep everything afloat. But, um, that's when I got involved with the DV family. And, uh, and at the time it really kind of helped me because, you know, I'm struggling. Like I'm going back to college with all these kids fresh out of high school. They're just fucking retarded. And they're looking at me and like, crazy old man you know uh and i was like just barely 30 i think yeah at that time i was barely 30. it didn't help that you had an onion tied to your belt <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh fuck. yeah so um but so hanging out with the dv crew and getting involved in that for me was helpful because now i felt like hey i'm kind of like i'm with my people and you know, the, the downside was it was just involved a lot of time online. Was a, we were spread all across the country, really. Really quick, let's talk about that for a second because we got you and Recoil. And I, I came on at the end of the DV page when, when we were still moderating and all. But what interests you enough to want to be a moderator for the DV page? Well... So I was, uh, I was an E5, a long time E5, because it takes a while to get promoted in the guard. Once you hit the NCO ranks, you have to wait for slots to open. 
the whole other story. Some of y'all are familiar, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's why you have like, to pass. <laughs> that's why you have like twenty year like E fours, you know. Yep. Uh, but anyhow, um, once I got into that NCO role, you know, I think and I think for me, just in general, they kind of try to beat it into you like early on, even basic training, like you know, these are the people who are saving your at, like this is your family. You got to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. And some people take that more personally than others, obviously. But um, I kind of believed that. And as an NCO, you know, you're dealing with, now you got a bunch of soldiers underneath you and you're dealing with some of their issues. Right. You know, their issues become your issues kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just faced a few situations dealing with some of my soldiers where, they were having some personal, some serious issues in their personal lives and kind of had to get them straightened out. Um, and so it seemed like I had kind of a knack for it. I already had a taste of doing that. And so that's kind of what the moderator team was doing on the TV page, essentially. So to me, I felt like it was a way for me to kind of continue on my service with my fellow veterans. Right. And see, I, I think I came in the latter part of 2015 recoil. What was it like getting Bender in there? Well, first off, he was like immediately one of us, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I, I mean, you guys can tell his personality just from, from talking to him, but he, like he was so honest and candid about his own feelings and situations and things that he's experienced and and nothing makes you you know, more efficient or better at, at helping people that are, that are feeling low when, when you're able to, to say like, Hey, I, I've fucking been there. I am there. You know, there's, there's nobody better for the job, honestly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I know when I, I got brought in and, and they pulled me into that big chat, I think other than you recoil, it was me and Bender that hit it off, like almost instantly. <laughs> like <laughs> There was, there wasn't, I don't think there wasn't a time I wasn't making a joke in the early days of DV and Top was getting frustrated with that. Oh, <laughs> look, it's the funny guy. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see, see that. Cause I, I think, I think that's why a lot of us done that. And you're absolutely right about, um, the whole, it becoming a job essentially right because it was a 24-hour thing especially when we got to what was it two million visual followers and reaching like 600 million a month like that was that's a toll <laughs> yeah well yeah because when we started it there were two of us um and, you know and it was 24 7 365 you know and then then there was you know three of us and four of us and five of us and six of us and I don't think we ever really got past that because once you get to that number, then people kind of fall off as people come on and you know, people's life situations change and, and their roles change. And, you know, but uh, you know, we really had a an outstanding, an outstanding team. You know, one of the things that Bender mentioned a little bit ago, like early on in the conversation is, is like, and it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a, a benefit that you didn't even realize was there it is it actually ends up helping you, mm-hmm. you know, helping helps the helper, as I like to say. And and like you, you see things in the brothers and sisters that you're working with and trying to support and you're looking at them and you're like, 
man, I just told this motherfucker not to do this or that. And I fucking do this or that, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you start, you start to look at yourself and it, and it helps you improve as well. Yeah. I mean, at that time, like a lot, they, uh, DV was partnering with some battle and distress, few other organizations, and we kind of had some training. There was, there was a, a training process, like, you know, what to say, what not to say kind of thing. But outside of that, like, you know, I didn't know Jack shit other than my life experience. And, but I felt like that's what just helped me be more relatable to these people. It's like, look, man, even if it was an issue, I couldn't understand. I would just straight tell them that, like, I don't know how to relate. Like, I can't relate to this, but I can relate to trying to move through pain, which is what you're experiencing right now. And so let's focus on that. So you said that when you started moderating for DV, it helped you a little bit. And I, I want to take... I guess a sidetrack and get a little depressing. How did it hurt you? Um, so my wife, I mean, she, we got married before the first appointment. Um, and, uh, in her mind, like she was fucking ecstatic. I was getting out of the military mm-hmm. in her mind. She felt like, like it took up so much of our lives, our family's lives with the deployments and just all the events and all the training, you know, like being gone for weeks or months at a time. Cause we're going to do some fucking training in another state for, you know, whatever. So in her mind, she was just fucking like, Oh, she was it was the best day ever that I was getting out. Right. Um, and I could see her point of view and I tried to understand that, but it was like, she was so wrapped up and so excited in that, that, she never she acknowledged like how i how it was making me feel is a conversation i had with one guy i was talking about he was getting out and he was excited and looking forward to it and he was like man i can't believe you're not you're kind of like pissed that you got it the way that you got out and i was like well when you get out on your own terms i think that's one thing mm-hmm. but when you're kind of just like you know, you're no good to us. You know, you're like when you're forced out. Yep. I think it, it hits you different than when you're prepared and you're ready for it. Yeah. And, uh, and so plus that, I mean, like I say, I mean, I was fresh off of a deployment. The, uh, the incident, that blood clot, it took place less than 90 days after I got home from Afghanistan. Right. So, um, but so I think that's kind of where it kind of hurt was because for me, I'm feeling like I'm losing my whole identity and who I was, you know, I mean, I still spent time with the kids and, you know, and her, and we still did family things. It was just, I felt like I needed to carve out this little chunk of time for me. Right. Because you didn't get to say, I'm, I'm ready to leave. You, you were told you're ready to leave. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're ready for you to leave. Not I'm ready to go. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the way to make up what you left behind, what you were forced to leave behind is that to join the DD moderating team and to be there for quote unquote soldiers active or whatever, and make up that time that you didn't get to finish. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Okay. 
And so that's was that was the good thing for it, but that was the negative side was in some cases maybe I was pouring myself in a little too much. I'm just trying to find that balancing act, but um that was just it became a source of contention between me and now my ex-wife. Um, because she wanted like the military is done, it's over, that chapter's closed, move on. All your focus should be on me and the kids. And so that that caused some some tension between us. And uh one thing I want to say, because I'm now I'm gonna kind of get into the the family side of things. Um so one thing I want to say, disclaimer. I'm by no means trying to bash my ex-wife at all. You know, um, she was overall, she was a pretty good wife. She's a great mother to the kids. I know she loves her children. It, it, you know, I could have ended up a lot worse than having her around. Okay. However, so I'm not trying to bash her in any means. I think I'm just, I'm telling the story from my perspective and the things that i wish i know there's things i could have done differently but i feel like there's also things that maybe she could have done differently too to help our situation out or help my situation help me help her the her kind of thing you know what i mean right right so just so everybody knows you're not bad mouthing and you realize that on both sides you both could have done things differently to help one another to understand what each one was going through and trying to understand. Right. Yes. Yes. I just, I want to clear that up for everybody. So they're not like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, you, you did say, you know, you, you weren't the five-star hotel military branch server. So I, I want everybody to hear the layman's terms. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I don't use my words. Good. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that was where it became stressful at home is where it kind of led to because, and it got down to the point where I think I was only trying to like watch the page for like one day a week. And like, even that became where it was like too much for her. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this is on my end in this particular situation, and it wasn't just the DV thing. There's other issues going on besides this, right? But I feel like I, early on in our relationship, I kind of allowed a lot of habits to develop that, as time went on, kind of became more unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And the longer those kind of habits go on, I feel like if you try to break them, then the worse it's harder to break a habit. It's like, Oh, it's been okay for 20 years. Why is it not okay? All of a sudden late now. Right. And I think that was one of my things was not, um, not, uh, establishing like, look, if I'm not doing this, I'm fully checked in like with you, kids, everything else. But I need to carve out just this time for me. You know, for some guys, it's like, hey, we're going on a guy's camping trip or we're going to take a trip to Vegas or shit like that. I wasn't like, 
I'm not trying to go hang out with Vegas with a bunch of other dudes where all the prostitutes are. Like, I just want to hang out with a group of friends of mine and tell some dirty jokes on the internet. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so those, but that issue and other issues kind of just kept led into constant fighting and stuff like that. Um, one of the things like, you know, everything comes down to kind of these beliefs. Some, once I started getting into therapy, which I'll fast forward to here in a minute, um, is, you know, a lot of your personal thoughts and reactions are based off of your personal beliefs, not, not necessarily religious beliefs or anything like that. Just how you view a situation is I view, you know, how sometimes you just hear two words from somebody and you're just like, Oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. Right. And um, so, you know, I developed some of these beliefs that um, basically I feel like she had some personal issues from past trauma she had experienced, but yet she, her coping mechanism was to pack them down, not face them. And I felt like, I felt like I was kind of paying a price for some of these past traumas that I had nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when, when you're hearing it all the time, me and hers, we kept fighting, you know, I'm already still, I'm still struggling with, uh, the deployment and my personal issues of not feeling good enough anymore. And we're fighting a lot, you know? And, and so I start going down these dark, these darker paths, like, you know, well, maybe I am the problem. Maybe, maybe it is all me. Maybe because of how I'm viewing things or I'm developed, I seem like I have a short fuse, you know, maybe my anger is clouding my vision. Maybe this is all me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it come down a couple of times where, you know, me and her would be fighting about something and, and I just look her in the eye and I'm like, I'm so terrible. Why are you still here? Right. Why are you putting up with me? And she'd twist it around and we'd go back and forth rounds and rounds and rounds. Um, so I was slowly sl sliding down to a darker and darker place and uh, starting to believe that, like I said, all, I, all of my life's problems, all of my, all the turmoil in my household was all just strictly on me. Um, and then, uh, an incident occurred. I don't know if you call it an incident. Um, I heard about this one study that, um, for a lot of veterans that are struggling and having issues, sometimes there are some who kind of put themselves on a path of self-destruction. Right. Yeah. And they'll start driving towards, and typically like, what is your biggest, like, that's a total piece of shit. Like you look at somebody's like, whether it's drug addicts, cheating, gambling, being physically abusive, like whatever in your mind is like, that's what makes you a piece of shit. That's what eventually you start driving towards. And so there was a scenario that did arise with, um, a friend of ours, another woman that, uh, I, I cheated on my wife with, um, 
she was, a, I'm not proud of it. She was a friend of ours, but, um, I think she could see what was going on, you know, hindsight, get a little bit of that, uh, uh, it's not clarity as they call it, I guess. But I think she was more or less kind of a hoe and I was just kind of a toy because she was like somebody I could vent to. And she's like, Oh, I understand. Like she was just magically like everything that, you know, so, but eventually, you know, so, okay, now, <laughs> so that happened, like I said, I'm not proud of it. Um, and, uh, so we split up for a while and I know that was one of the big things that drove this kind of the start of DV as a whole was veteran homelessness. And me and my wife had talked about it before. Like she was like, I just don't, cause she was saying she didn't understand how, how it could happen. Like how there's so many homeless vets. I was like, well, it's pretty easy. I was like, if you just got tired of my shit, like, you know, with all our fighting, you got tired of my shit and told me to get the fuck out. Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of where I ended up. Um, you know, I, like I said, I feel like part of me, I allowed myself to kind of be played by this girl. I think deep down I knew to her, I was just kind of a toy, but because she was saying the right things, I kind of just let myself go with it. Right. And, um, but then that led, you know, it led to me being homeless for about a month or two sleeping in my car. <laughs> kind of exactly how I described it. Really quick. I mean, it almost sounds like, uh, somebody that's battling addiction, right? You don't want to tell yourself the truth of what, is really going on right and it feels like what you're trying to say is you knew that she didn't really give a shit but deep down somewhere you're like yeah she does i'm gonna believe that over she doesn't right yeah yeah like uh, one more pull in the slot machine that's the that's gonna be my jackpot right yeah yeah it's kind of like that like she was just playing on what I needed to kind of give me that hope, let's say. Yeah, she was that euphoric ride that you needed for that moment. And she knew all the right things to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because looking back, looking at our circle of friends, like I'd seen her try to hit on some of the other people in the circle of friends, you know, and I'd see them kind of pushing her off and stuff like that. And you know, it's like, like I say, I'm looking back at this. I'm like, yeah, I was at the last of the bunch, probably because I'm the ugliest out of the bunch. But you realize you had something there. So, right. But, uh, and, you know, I still had friends around and stuff like that, but I kind of allowed myself to become so isolated. Like, I didn't, I didn't go hang out with the guys. I didn't, you know, we didn't stop by the bar after work to go do our fantasy draft. I didn't do anything like that. So I kind of had alienated myself from all these people that were my friends. So when the choice came, when she's like, yeah, get the fuck out of the house. I was like, okay, well, yeah, there's some people I can call, but I haven't really talked to these guys in months or years. So I didn't feel right. Like just, 
Oh, hey, man, I know it's been like, you know, two years since we really hung out, but hey, can I come to your place for a couple of days? I didn't feel right doing that. And maybe so it was I was trying to punish myself too. So, you know, I mean, like I said, I loaded my shit up into a Jeep Grand Cherokee and I lived out of that for about a month, month and a half. Um, you know, there were showers at my work. So I just sneak in there like about two hours early for my shift started and take a quick shower, put on my work clothes. Um, you know, just made it work. And, uh, Literally, it sounds like Chris Pontius when he worked with Jackass before they got like really big with the movies. He'd done the exact same thing. He lived out of a fucking grand Jeep Cherokee the whole time. And he had all this money that he never spent. <laughs> Bender, uh, Bender, you, you said a key word, and I think it's an important thing. Isolation. Mm-hmm. You isolated yourself. And... For me, in my dealing with PTSD, and I spent almost eight months living in a tent in the mountains, homeless, um, one of the things that I had done while I was struggling with all the things I was struggling, the ex-wife, blah, 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 was isolated myself from any contact with fellow veterans. And I think most of us, if not all of us, go through kind of a cycle where we, oh, those guys don't want to hear about my problems. Those guys don't give a shit about me, you know? And when the reality is, is we're all fucking going through the same shit. And if we get over ourselves and talk to each other, I mean, you did it. You were a fucking mod on the on the DV page. You were talking to the vets who got to the place where they finally said, well, fuck, something's got to change. And they reached out. And you did the exact same thing all those vets you you worked with were doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that, that what I I have learned to recognize in myself when I start isolating, I better knock it the fuck off and reach out. Yep. No, and that's uh, I think that's key because you know, like I said, I know I had guys, some of the guys I deployed with, even though I hadn't hung out with them in a couple few years at this point, I knew if I would have said, hey. My wife kicked me out. Can I crash at your place for a few days or so? I guarantee most of them would have said yes. And they have their own families, you know? But on that point, because I I don't think we are going to finish this in an hour and I want to finish it, but I think it's best if we stay where we're at and finish it next week. But what I want to do is go around the table here, proverbial table, and where we're at now with your story. Recoil, do you have anything that you want to ask Bender or talk to him about that he said so far? No, I just, uh, you know, I, I am really empathetic to, to everything that he's, that he's gone through. Cause, cause I've walked, you know, those same boots in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when, when you're, when you're military and you, your, your military career is, is ended quickly and and not by your choice you know there's there's a void that unless you are military or former military you you don't comprehend you know and we as as you know prior military we need a mission and we need we need that purpose um you know and and our family is absolutely a mission and a purpose and and 
and matters to us a lot. But you know, we 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 still have that that military aspect that needs to be fulfilled, and and I think that's something that a lot of couples struggle with. Yeah, you know, I, I think no, you're absolutely right. I, th- I think one of the things that I've come across most on this DV journey, uh, for lack of a better term, is exactly what Bender is talking about and what Recoil just said is a lot of it is relationships, whether it's you're spending too much time doing this or what about finances or you need to spend more time with the kids or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Marquis has been on the show and talked about it when he went down that suicidal path and we were all up his ass about it. I don't know if you remember that vendor, I know recoil and I was an anoint was, was really like what the fuck at that time. And a lot of it was over finances, just like so many that we had talked to on the main DV page. Right. Like it's, you don't realize that's a big one. Yeah. You don't realize how impactful that actually is in a marriage or just a relationship in general. Right. Until, yeah. until you basically have nothing like, well, how are we going to pay the light bill and have gas and put food on the table and get the kids clothes for school or, or whatever. Right. Um, but, but yeah. Uh, oink. I really don't have any questions. I mean, I was a long time listener before joining, obviously. And I remember hearing that nice sultry voice of Bender's, you know, come across the radio <laughs> and, you know, ads and jokes. And to me, you know, he always seemed like somebody that was always put together, which kind of brings me to a point of, you know, that's why it's so important for us to check in on our brothers and sisters, because even though they have that persona of having their shit together and everything's going great, there may be some underlying things that, you know, hey, they just need to talk. You know, and, you know, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad things are looking a little bit better than normal, than they were, you know, and, uh, you know, hats off to you, brother. You, you pulled through and and that's that's all it counts. Hey, man, there's some good points, brother. Yeah. You know, going to what Oink said to piggyback, if you will, um, <laughs> we live in an age where we have to have an instant reaction and social media has absolutely ruined that with a lot of relationships. I can't tell you how many of my friends, they're in relationships right now and they look oh so fucking happy and their families are smiling and this, that, and the other. But then you talk to them and it's nothing like what you see in a picture or hear in a video. It's completely opposite. So that whole, they're wearing a mask thing. is so fucking true. And you don't know just by a picture or just in a video, how bad it really is or how good it really is. And like we harp on all the time, whether they're smiling or they're, or they're being positive, check in on them. Cause that might just be a mask and they actually might be crying out saying, help me fucking, I need somebody to talk to you. Right. I need somebody to fucking give me a resource. Um, Sergeant Wardog. Yeah. I, um, I have to give you a, a lot of credit for the self-realizations that you have had. And yeah, I know everything and is uh high and everything's 2020 in hindsight, right? But um the fact that you're able to openly talk about what could have been your faults or what could have been your reasons for not being um you know at at a certain level 
the fact that you did that and you do that and you own up to certain things as being your own issues. I have to salute that, bro. I uh, I really appreciate that. It's something that I had to do during my battles with PTSD and being hospitalized and suicidal and the same thing. But um, I have nothing but uh, utter respect for you that you, you've gone through it. You're, st- you're still going through some of it, but you have this ultimate like realization of, hey, this is what I might have contributed into it. This is what you know, could have been my fault. Those are things that some people don't have the ability to do or aren't able to see. And uh, that means a lot to me that you're able to do that, though, bro. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate that. And I do feel like that is an issue for a lot of people. They struggle sometimes with that. Part of it turns into like it's a coping mechanism, right? But yeah, at a certain point, you have to be able to step back and look at yourself too real good and hard. And uh no, I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Yeah, man. Definitely. Uh Joel from MBR Radio. You know, I, I I think it's very vital that I point out that it takes a really strong person to get themselves and, and, and crawl out of that, you know, that dark well. I don't think people understand how much how much will that takes. And it sounds like you've done that, you know, it sounds like not only have you done that, but you've, you've looked at the other person's point of view as well as yourself. And you've learned that. And, you know, one thing that I find that we're missing from our military career is, you know, when you get out, when you go outside your room in the barracks, there's, there's always somebody there. There's always somebody to recognize, Hey, you know, you're there and, in the in the civilian life now that we're out of the military we don't have that as close as we used to and even though we think that a veteran is like strong strong we need to remember that they're probably feeling the same way that we have before and we need to reach out and just let them know hey look you know i look up to you we're, we're, we, we're both going through this, uh, you know, the, this trash of life, society and stuff. Remember, we're, we're here for each other. So that's what I wanted to tell you is uh, I, I'm proud that not only can you talk about it, but I'm, I'm proud that you got your, that monkey off of your back. And uh, I hope and I pray that you continue, continually grind and be a, a vessel for another veteran that listens to your story. Well, that's great, brother. I appreciate that. It's kind of, it's kind of really my deeper goal by doing this is I'm hoping that maybe some people are listening that are kind of struggling or where I was at some of my early phases because I haven't gotten to the dark stuff yet. I was getting there. I guess we'll pick up that maybe next week or whenever, but, um, and you guys have all hit on certain things like the isolation, um, the thinking like, Oh, no one cares. Those kind of things. Like those are all thoughts that I had. Those are all things that I've said when it, things really started getting dark. Um, I appreciate that again. And like I say, that's, that's my goals. I'm hoping that maybe some of what I'm saying sounds a little too familiar to some people. And so hopefully they can kind of see that it takes work, but there is a way out. 
One thousand percent. Yeah, that's that, that's that's the critical thing. Is those those things are the catalyst that sent you down the dark path that we're going to talk about and discover next week. Yes. You know, those, those, those things are the things that, that headed that train down that track. Right. And, and, you know, that's another thing that, you know, we try to harp on every time we talk about depression or suicide or, or anything mental is don't wait until the last fucking second to say, I need help or, Hey, will you talk to me? Don't wait till the last fucking second. Cause you, you don't know how far in you're going to be before you're like, fuck it. I mean, it could be a week. It could be two years. We don't fucking know. We don't know how our brain's going to act. We don't know where life's going to take us. Um, JJ. Andrew, I want to give you a word of encouragement. And this is how I'm going to do it. Do you remember Nevermore? Hey, no, I- <laughs> she says, thank uh, she says, thank you. Yeah, I remember her. Well, she told me to tell you thank you because you were there when she was in that dark place. Well, that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, hearing something like that, you know, that's, well, thank you, Nevermore. I, uh, glad to hear it. Um, glad I could help. Yeah. And I, I think that's another thing that, uh, is hard. It's taking a thank you for all <laughs> for anything i mean it really is because i mean i've thanked recoil and oink and i've thanked all of you guys um and it's and and then when somebody thinks you it's it's weird isn't it like it's it's odd having somebody thank you for just talking to them it really is yeah well like i said like i said earlier i felt like doing the stuff i was doing with like the DV stuff was like an extension of service mm-hmm. and none of us like being thanked for our service. That's like a huge deal. Right. <laughs> right. And so it's, it, to me, it kind of falls like under that, you know, like uh, when I did come home from Iraq, our battalion commander, he gave up and gave like a speech, you know, we're sitting there, we're standing there at formation for, you know, in like a hundred degree heat for fucking, two hours waiting like we can see our families up in the stands you know and shit and we're like let's say fucking dismiss nobody gives a fuck about your goddamn speech bro right yeah. but um but he did say something he's like you know he, he like wanted to brag like on our, our statistics our flight hours and like all the shit that we did and he kind of hit on each like section of the unit and kind of like shouted out their statistics talk about how impressive they were and then, like record setting they were especially for a guard unit and um and he's like, now they're going to tell you it was nothing. They were doing their job. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of us as vets have is like, to us, we're just doing our job. Yep. We're nothing special. We're just doing our job. And I've, I've noticed over the years when somebody's like, when they find out I served or whatever, I have to tell them, God fucking forbid, because you have to tell doctors why you got sick, right? And it's like, well, I was in fucking Iraq. <laughs> um, but every time they say thank you for your service or whatever, it's like, it was just a job. <laughs> like to us, it was just a job at the end of the day. Right. I mean, some of us joined because it was family tradition or because patriotism or, or whatever. But after we've done what we've done, we don't look at it like that because we've done it. It's, it's nothing. Right. I mean, yeah, we have our, 
mental breakdowns because of whatever reason. But we're sitting there going, that was just a, a, a time and space of my life. That was a job. Just like I worked at McDonald's flipping burgers. Shit. <laughs> you don't thank me for fucking serving your food, do you? Like, <laughs> well, not after you spit on it. But that's besides the point. <laughs> Look, that was one time. Wink, okay. I, know, I, I worked at McDonald's and I got thanked to be for not being an asshole when I was in drive-through. So I got I, I, I got to tell you this story. One time we we were uh, we had a sale on milkshakes and ice cream one year <clears throat> at our, our local McDonald's that I was working at. And, and the machine was working, right? Uh, so, so I'm taking orders. It's a hot summer fucking day. There's a woman with kids. I take her order. And then this guy who was a regular, he walks up and he was standing at the register that was closed, but he walks up to my register and he's like doing that John Wayne walk. You know what I'm talking about? That slow fucking cowboy walk. And he's got his so almost hooked in the belt loops. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his sunglasses on and he was a rich asshole who was like 60 some years old. He drove a yellow Corvette. If that tells you anything about him. Um, but he goes, I was ahead of her. I was like, I'm sorry you were over there, sir. He's like, no, I was here the whole time. You should have took my order first. I was like, sorry, sir, you were over there. What would you like? He wanted a Sunday with nuts. I was like, all right, a dollar seven. Not joking. He lays the dollar down as cleanly and nicely as you could imagine. He takes the nickel and two pennies and literally chucks them at me. Because I took a woman's order with screaming kids before him. And I'm like, really? This really? You're going to be that fucking patty. You're going to be a dick to somebody that's getting ready to serve you food. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> he would have got some nuts. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you see the nuts that are in that shake. Yep. Right. <laughs> Man, if our ice cream machine hadn't have been right there at the front where he could have seen me. <laughs> I'm telling you, he'd have got more than white ice cream. That's for sure. <laughs> Why does this taste salty, sir? Did you put salt hey, on my shake? <laughs> that motherfucker. At, and, you know, I was, <laughs> I was doing all I could to keep a smile and just be like, all right, sir. Thank you. You have a great day. And I know it killed him even more, but I was like this motherfucker. Like I wanted to go across that goddamn <laughs> counter. So goddamn bad. And just fucking, uh, but yeah, anyway, service working. Mm-hmm. Well, if you worked at Waffle House, you could have gone across the counter. <laughs> yeah, right. right? <laughs> I could have been on World Star. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, really quick. Let's one more time go around the proverbial table for last thoughts or words for the end of this show next week. Please tune in, everybody that's listening live or on podcast, so we can listen to the rest of Bender's story. I know that I'm cutting it short, but it's an hour, and I don't want to make it two hours and people will be like, oh, well, I got to, I got to come back and listen to that. So I'll break it up and we'll, we'll finish it next week. I promise we'll get right into it next Saturday. Uh, recoil last thoughts and words for our listeners tonight or on podcast, brother. As always be safe. Keep looking out for each other. Fuckers. Joel from MBR radio. Remember that everybody's like a clown. If you scratch the front and the back, there's always something going on with somebody. So no matter what you do, 
you would be very surprised how much a smile will turn somebody's day around. So smile. Uh, Mr. Joaquin Watai. Well, that John Wayne walk means I got to poop. <laughs> Jesus looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Sergeant Wardog. Yeah, 988. If you run into any form of mental health crisis, don't be ashamed or afraid to dial 988 and contact uh, any type of uh, assistance that you can receive for your mental health crisis, just as I did. So don't be afraid um, to dial the digits 988. Have a great week. Keep your head up. Salute. War Dog, I'm glad that you're back, brother. We I, I missed you the last couple of weeks. I appreciate it, bro. Bender. All right, EV family. Let me just leave you with these last few words of wisdom. Uh, basically, I would say right now, no matter where you are in your life, if you're in a, if you feel like you can't carve out just a little bit of time just for yourself, find a way to do so because that is key. It doesn't mean you don't love those around you or whatever your situation is going on. Maybe you have too much time to yourself. Uh, that's a separate issue. But just do something for yourself. Take a little hobby. Um, you know, I, I bought a little tiny RC car for less than 100 bucks, And now I got something, just a little hobby I can tinker with. Just take a little time to decompress. So I'd say if you don't have that, try to find it. And no, cooking meth is not a hobby. All right, just don't do it. It's illegal. Uh, Play with your wood. It works for me. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, Mr. Oink. Folks, you heard at the beginning of the show, you know, ObjectiveZero.org always has people standing by willing to talk to you uh, 24-7. You know, sort by filtering options that allow us to find our peer support. The best matches are specific criteria. Filters include age, gender, branch of service, connection to the military, military occupational specialty, and location of all things. So if you need to talk to somebody, look it up, check them out. There's going to be somebody there standing by willing to talk to you whenever you need it, 24-7. Again, ObjectiveZero.org. Download that free app. And yes, please don't forget, before we're back next Saturday, Valentine's Day will happen. It's next Wednesday, February 14th. So come to DVRadio.net, go to the DV Radio store, grab your merchandise, and don't forget to hit the redeem button so that you can get 22% off of your entire order. Buy, buy us out. Buy everything out. Do it. Hey, hey should we sell some uh, personalized, sexy vendor recordings? I mean, we can. I mean, if, if there's a market for it, I'll whore myself right on out. I'm cool with it. I mean, we can. I mean, we we'll, we'll take what? What do you think, Rico? We'll take what? Twenty percent. Rico is like, I, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> but no. Um, oh, there he is. What? <laughs> I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole or ten inch pole. Jesus Christ. But no, we appreciate everybody listening in on dvradio.net. We appreciate your support. Please tune in next week so you can hear the rest of Bender's story. We will get into the dark depths of all the stuff that many of you dread and some of you really need help with and um, stuff 
of that nature, suicide, depression, all that good stuff. So please tune in, uh, tune in at your own risk, I guess would be <laughs> the correct words to use. Uh, but for Bender, Oink, Sergeant Wardog, Joel from NBR Radio, Recall, and Joaquin Wata, I'm Bonerwood. You just heard Barracks talk right here on WDVRDVRadio.net. Until next week, bicycles. Bye-bye. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter.